I actually have an improv exercise called Sales is a Dance, and I make them have a dance party. Oh, I love that. I love that. I make that. them dance. I make them dance as a group. And the, the larger the group, the better. Maybe we we should do this at Outbound. Oh, my gosh. Is that the one where you write your name with your butt? Yes. Yes. <laughs> it is the one where you write your name with your butt. Yes. Oh, my gosh. This just came to me. Why did I not think of this before? Hey, Warners, welcome to another episode of The Women Your Mother Warned You About. The podcast that makes business sexy again. I'm Gina Tremarco, master sales trainer and coach at Sales Gravy. And I'm Rachel Pitts, the singing lender. Oh, God, we need to <laughs> we need to like get together at Outbound and work on those harmonies. Well, I, you know, we're, we've been talking about singing in Outbound, which um, Carrie is very, Carrie at Sales Gravy is very excited about. She liked the idea of us singing. I'm um, not so much isn't so sure about Jeb. Uh, but, you know, in this episode, I talked about having a dance party. So who knows? Singing and dancing at Outbound could be happening. Yeah, you just know. I think dancing is, uh, you should always dance. You should always yeah. dance. You I like to, dance. you know, one of my favorite places to dance is in the grocery store. Because, you know, grocery stores like jam out the craziest, most <laughs> random songs. They at, do. And then you've got they this do. giant corridor of like hallway of of slick floor you can do all the cool moves like. oh my gosh i'm having a flashback kind of like flash dance i'm having a flashback because i grew up in the 80s i'm having a flashback of my theatrical days my musical theatrical days in high school we would go to the airport o'hare airport with a boom box yes L- look it up if you don't know what a boom box is <laughs> and we would dance at the airport, like we were like from the movie Footloose and Flashdance and all the things because we were those kids during that era. And we would literally dance at the airport and people would be taking our pictures. That was pre 9-11 when you were just allowed to show up and hang out at the airport. Would, they, would people <laughs> give you money or do they just walk by? Uh, they would just, they would, I mean, especially because the um, O'Hare Airport being international, like, I don't know. I just remember, I just remember the, I, I it's going to sound bad, but I'll say it anyway. I'll just say that tourists with cameras, there were a lot of tourists with cameras coming through and they would be taking pictures of us. Of I'll course. Just, I'll just leave it at that. Yeah. So um, I, I know it sounds like a, why are we talking about dancing? Was well, it a really good question? Because in this episode with LJ Harry's from Down Under, I don't know if that was an English or an Australian accent. The founder of EQ Sales. um, We started talking about how conversation is a dance, which got us into a conversation of a dance party. So those listening to this before we run the episode part of the show, there is a method to the madness about the dance party. Most of the time. Most of the time. So, so yeah. So on this episode, we do have LJ Harris, the founder of EQ Sales, a sales and strategy, sales strategy and talent development firm that has one mission to equip salespeople to have better business conversations. Ooh, this makes me salivate so much. You know how much I love this stuff, right, Rachel? I do. I'm glad that you're far away. So you're not salivating on me. <laughs> You might like that. Uh, And uh, anyway, anyway, LJ's got over 15 years of experience honing her understanding of influence across sales, marketing, public relationships, and advertising. Laura, 
otherwise known as LJ, provides a fresh perspective on an age-old skill, whether it be leveraging the understanding of behavioral science that led her to be an award-winning marketing, applying the strategic communication strategies that sold stories. Her passion and creativity excites sales talent to develop business-critical sales skills. Of course, I'm all about this stuff. This is my jam, everything that she does. She is like my soul sister from down under. What do you think of her? I think she is gorgeous and very intelligent for someone who, I don't know, she looks young, but there you go. And um, she's got a lot to bring to the table from her intuitive style of helping sales leaders and sales, sales representatives do their best work. And she will be a speaker at Outbound. She will be virtual with the rest of the Aussies. So you can get um, more of her, obviously, in this episode. But if you really love her, you can get more of her at Outbound. And to check out the Outbound Conference, go to outboundconference.com. Use our special code WARNERS100 to get a couple bucks off. So let's dive into this episode with LJ Harris. Let's go. Let's do another episode. Welcome to our show, LJ. And how, LJ, how do you say your last name? I'm not going to, I hate to screw up last names. I do it all the time. That's all good. It's Harry's. So it's like Harry, a plural, but it's Harry's. Harry's. It's a Welsh name. Fantastic. So we, you probably wouldn't have messed that one up. You don't know. <laughs> you never know. It could have been like it's Brian, and then you would have just been really thrown off. I mean, exactly. <laughs> I mean, look what I did last week. Last time um, we had an Australian on, I, I really, I'm surprised Bernadette's still talking to me. I couldn't get anything right. <laughs> <laughs> she, she, now she is someone who understands the art of conversation. But you know, we as Aussies aren't the one with the funny accent here. It's you guys. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So thank you if you understand anything we're saying. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> I was about to say, I am from the South, so sometimes my, you know, you never know. You've got to draw. Yeah. And I'm, <laughs> I'm from the North, so there we go. So we have all kinds of different accents going on here. What I think what we really want to know, since we've had, uh, you would be the second Aussie that we have on, we want to know if there are women your mother warned you about in Australia. Of course, we're flooded with them. I think there are women your mother warned you about everywhere, you know, but not more than there's men that your mother warned you about either, you know what I mean? Well, I think there's far there's <laughs> far more men that my mother warned me about than women. I'll just say that. Exactly. Look, my mom um, certainly never warned anyone about me. Um, she's my biggest supporter, but, you know, I grew up as a single, um, an only child in a single mom's mm. household. So very rarely were women warned about it. was always supportive in my household. Awesome. On the other hand, I've gone out in business and I'm sure my name's come up when people are talking about other women that have been warned. Well, well, well perfect. <laughs> I think Rachel wants to ask you a little bit about that. About what? About <laughs> about the the question we like to ask, like you know oh, that question. Sorry, you threw me off because I was sending you a direct <laughs> message. <laughs> um, our question is Laura L J. Do you consider yourself a woman your mother warned you about? 
Absolutely. I, I, I can't remember who said it, but somebody quoted that well-behaved women never made history. And that's kind of a motto of mine. Um, I think being in sales as well, you kind of understand that you're at a bit of a disadvantage being always the one to be speaking up or, you know, be assertive and whatnot. And for me, that was always such a juxtaposition against what it took to actually succeed in that industry. So absolutely, I'm the one that people are warned about and it gets you everywhere. <laughs> it really does get you paid. It sure does. It's true. And just say uh, today, I I opened up a conversation just by saying that I'm a woman. Your mother warned you about, and the person was like, "That's literally the best message yeah. ever." <laughs> I love that. Feel free Definitely. to use it, LJ. I will. I, I it's it's already written down. It's in my backpack now. You're welcome. <laughs> That, that actually happened to me last week in the sales gravy office where Victor Antonio happened to be visiting and he walked in and he said, he looked at me and he goes, do I, do I know you? You, you look familiar. I said, I'm a woman your mother warned you about. That's how you know me. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> I love he's that. He's like, oh, 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 okay. He's, he, he, he saw my picture somewhere, I'm sure, but he's, he's going to be on the show soon. We're interviewing him next week. So anyway, let's, let's continue talking about you, LJ. You're going to be at the Outbound Conference um, virtually from Down Under. Yes, certainly are. I think it's the first time we're actually doing the Australian part of it. So we're kind of taking over from all the virtuals um, and then running all into your night all through our day and then sort of handing the baton back over the next morning. So we're super excited. You know, we see a lot of the talent, you know, Gina, you just named a few people. That lineup is incredible. Um, so for me, I've only in business my, been in business myself just over 12 months. So to be included in that lineup is just so incredibly invigorating and inspiring. I'm ready. Just got a month to go. <laughs> so close. I like it. She's like the young, well, you're also young and gorgeous. There's that. So that helps too. <laughs> <laughs> so you say you've only been in business 12 months. Tell us more about that. How did that get started? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I was actually, um, I left my corporate job the end of 2019. And I just, I don't know your experience, but I, I had that moment where I just thought this, there's just a point where you struggle to affect change in large organizations as an employee. And I'm so passionate about what I do. I've always wanted to do it. So it became a bit of a source of friction. And I just thought, you know what, like my ideas are good. I'm, I'm going to go out on my own. And then I actually traveled South America and I was in South America when COVID hit. And then before the sort of the, the um, I guess the, the pain and the, the trials and tribulations of having to get back home throughout that um, I came in, we were all in lockdown and I decided that now is the time to start the business. And, you know, COVID was was a really interesting way to start that business because a lot of sales talent were let go. So, you know, I work with businesses to really maximize everybody's time and effort within those departments. And it's taken off and the rest, as you say, is history. And I'm having an absolute ball. My only, um, you know, the only thing I, I um, think about is I should have done this 10 years ago. Oh. <laughs> I love I love the COVID success stories because mm. there's so many people that look at it as something bad that caused bad mm. things. And 
for many of us like yourself, it sounds like LJ, that it was actually like a really great opportunity to grow and expand. And, and the same with Jeb, Jeb's business at sales gravy, he mm-hmm. was poised to get everything virtual and like, it just exploded. So I love a good COVID success story. I saw a wonderful meme and it said, you know, who drove your digital transformation? It was like CTO. And then it was like, COVID. And I just thought that was a brilliant proof point because it really did have to switch us. And, you know, I'm in sales. My work has now shifted um, online. I, I hadn't um, established the business, but in my mind, I was speaking to to rooms full of 50 people. Now it's it's much smaller, but I'm speaking, you know, I have clients in London and Singapore. So um, it's just opened up the scope. A friend of mine's a Pilates teacher and she never thought she would be able to do that virtually. And it's opened her world and market up too. And that's to me is what's really exciting. I think at every challenge or opportunity, you have a chance to see it as such, and you choose that. So I try where possible to see it as an opportunity. Mm-hmm. 100%. I saw on your website, LJ, that you have some improv in your background. I do. I believe that an adept does I as well. Know. What are the chances? <laughs> I, I actually didn't realize it at the time that improv is such an incredible tool. What people think improv is about comedy. What improv teaches you is actually how to have momentum in conversation. And as a salesperson, it's critical because you're constantly coming up against barriers and blockages to continue to get your message across. Improv just teaches you how to truly recognize cues and drive momentum regardless. And it, it's it was probably one of the most uncomfortable periods of my my life first going into improv because it's like an adult daycare it's really (laughs) so far removed to how we're sort of conditioned to behave as we grow up and we've really lost the ability to play and and improv lets you get really uncomfortable um, and then make you comfortable with it and if that's not a proof point of what we do in market every day I don't know what is it's good fun I highly recommend it I know Ryan Serhant a lot of big name Mm -hmm. uh, sellers they all hero it so give it a crack and so that was that was pretty awesome to see that on your website, especially after talking to Bernadette and all of us Yay. having that in common. And then you've got you're you're very passionate, well, obviously, with your company name, Sales EQ, uh, which is yeah. which is another big passion of mine, and and using improv to actually improve EQ. Mm. So mm. I'd love to hear more about what you're doing with emotional intelligence. Yeah, look, I I kind of. Um, I, I'll take it way back. I was obsessed with influence growing up and I, I used to want to be a politician, which at the time wasn't that unheard of because my only real understanding of, of people on TV were, were politicians and they were able to talk and inspire um, the nation. What I learned as I grew up is I actually watched a parliament sitting and I was like, this really isn't what I had in mind here. And um, what happened is I, I progressed throughout sales into corporate land and I actually had a moment where I just saw sales leaders sort of talking about clients in a way that made me feel a little icky. And I was like, you know what, this just brought me right back to that realization. And, you know, sales is is a soft skill and it's very, very, um, empathy is hard to coach, I believe. So sales leaders don't really understand how to human that, humanize that. But I was a marketer before I was a salesperson as well. So for me, the behavioral science of it, which is kind of my take on emotional intelligence, is what makes it really interesting to be a salesperson. So I try to, I truly believe that our relationships are what drives success. So let's hone them, let's hero them more so than the product. 
You, um, I, I know you're doing a session at Outbound about um, about EQ and about how motivation really works. And I started reading a blog that you wrote about motivation. And this has always intrigued me because I've often heard, I'm sure you've often heard leaders say, oh, you help motivate our people, help motivate our people. And we really can't motivate other people, right? Yeah, yeah, you really can't. Mo- there, there's certain ways to do it. You know, internally, momentum is what actually is motivation. You you really, there's an old adage that says the key to getting started is getting going, and that's really true. What happens is you just, um, once you start, you, you get inspired as you go the the only way there really is to motivate others is to play to their intrinsic motivation so it's internal work work, um, understanding what they truly value as individuals because I think we get lost in this one-size-fits-all approach of commission and whatnot but truly understanding what drives someone is what's going to motivate them it could be getting out on time you know that could drive a bit of hustle it could be leading a meeting and building a profile internally you've got to really work with people around you to understand them in more detail. And I guess that's another proof point to EQ. Yeah. You got to find that reason because everybody like, I like money. Most people like money (laughs) as a salesperson, but that's not what, that's not what drives me. Like the numbers don't drive me. Actually, I like never at the end of my year, at the end of the year review, I never really, I just don't follow that the volume numbers. I just track Mm -hmm. like, the smaller things like how many calls did I make and who am I helping and who do I need to get to? So it is important to find what it motivate motivates people. Like what's the end goal. And it is so different for people because I'm a driver. I want to like win. Yeah. I'm the same. (laughs) And the other people, there's other people that are driven. They are driven by the the numbers, and there's other people that are driven just by because they want to help people and they love that feeling of mm-hmm. helping people. I've got one uh, realtor partner who is she is all about the relationship and helping someone. She loves a scrappy underdog, you know, and that's what drives her. I love that. Absolutely. And I, I think so So quickly we forget that. And, you know, again, leadership is is something which really needs to be vision-focused, not task-focused. And vision in value is, is a construct. It's internal. So you've got to get to understand that. And um, I work with a lot of the companies that I work to to work out how to translate vision into tasks because once you understand how to translate that into focus for the now um everyone becomes pulled with your vision and motivated to do so it's it's great and and it's great because it's a team effort and what you're doing you're getting everyone to work to their own vision and goal but tying it all together it's incredible Mm. more of it (laughs) yeah how do you think we could get better at understanding what motivates the buyer versus us the seller yeah, ask ask questions. Ask, you know, I talk about empathy. This the, the easiest way to practice empathy is just asking. Go down a rabbit hole of understanding. We're so quick to want to be understood in sales. We forget that it's actually more important to understand. And our buyers buy into our product or service when they feel like we understand them, not when they understand us. So ask, ask, ask at every opportunity. You'll find out soon enough. Yeah, the buyer understands us. They know we want their money. <laughs> they want we want their business. <laughs> like yeah, they already exactly. know that. So we have to dance around that. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And you know, it is a dance. I there's a scene from the the movie Chicago with with the the Richard Gere and Renee Zellweger one and, and you know, they it's talking about 
um, the old razzle dazzle, and he's in the courtroom and he he's dancing and and relaying that to the conversation and the courtroom hearing. And I love that because you know conversation is a dance, and it takes a leader. You have to lead that dance, and as a salesperson, that's your job. And the best way to do that is to have um, a real understanding of the questions and the information you need to ask, and that way you can drive that conversation accordingly. I like it. And here's some words from our sponsor, Jeb Blunt at Sales Gravy. Hi, this is Jeb Blunt. There's a reason why thousands of sales professionals and top companies across the globe honed their sales skills at Sales Gravy University. You see, Sales Gravy University is different than most learning platforms. First, we have live courses taught in a virtual classroom by our master trainers that start almost every single day. And our e-learning platform is populated with hundreds of hours of sales training content produced by some of the top sales trainers in the world, including Gina's spontaneous selling course, which is worth checking out. Now, I've got some good news. If you've never taken a course on SalesGravy University, if you're a new user, you can take your very first course for free. That's any course on the platform, absolutely free. Just go to learn.salesgravy.com. That's learn.salesgravy.com or click the e-learning tab in the top menu at salesgravy.com. Pick out your course. And when you check out, use coupon code free course to get that course for free. That is free course to get your very first course for free. Speaking of Sales Gravy University, go check out salesgravy.university and see some of the courses that I'm teaching. Just scroll through the university and click on them and you will find me and sign up. I'd love to have you there. I actually have an improv exercise called Sales <laughs> is a Dance and I make them have a dance party. Oh, I love that. I, love I make that. them dance. I make them dance as a group. And the, the larger the group, the better. Maybe we we should do this at Outbound. Oh, my gosh. Is that the one where you write your name with your butt? Yes. Yes. <laughs> it is the one where you write your name with your butt. Yes. Yes. I, oh, my gosh. This just came to me. Why did I not think of this before? Okay. So I want to throw this out there that I thought of on the treadmill. I was like the sale because you said something about the sales gravy train when uh -huh. I was listening to our podcast with Anthony in Reno, and I was like the sales gravy train. What if we got like the soul? You know, in the soul train and they the dance train, down yeah. the track, yes. like down the aisle. If we can make the sales gravy train happen and people dance down the aisle, I, my life will literally be complete. Oh and God, you mean like everybody it. there or, or or the speakers? Anyone that w is willing, I was like, ah, those people won't be willing to embarrass themselves. Like, I'll do it, but you'll be surprised. The salespeople, right? I think you know. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think we're gonna do the the dance. Sales gravy train down oh, to dance. Do the... Write your name with your butt to. Improv. Yeah. Well, it's a cool it's a cool exercise besides writing your name with your butt because. It is. I actually started it as a leadership game before I started using improv for sales. And you designate a couple people in the room to start dancing and they have to give the dance away to other people in the room, but they can't stop dancing. So the mission is to get everybody in the room dancing. And so some people are waiting forever to dance. Other people are dreading the fact that they've been dancing forever. And it really is about this leadership delegation thing of like, you cannot dance until someone has given you the permission to dance. And so it's this really fascinating, you know, there's some people who want to do it. Some people who hate it. Some people are like 
feel bad because no one's chosen them. I mean, there's like a whole bunch of ways to debrief it. But next thing you know, everybody's laughing because of just this pandemonium. I think we need to do it. Yeah, it is absolute pandemonium. Well, we'll do it if it's not sort of, you know, three. Well, three a.m. is probably the best time I, to dance. I here. think you guys should do it down under. I think I'm. I am throwing down the challenge. You tell right, the Oprah right. down under. Down under dance party. Yeah. You tell Bernadette McClellan that uh, we have challenged her to a dance party. I will. And it'll be a dance off. And not that I'm competitive or anything, but we will. <laughs> well, That's my intrinsic motivation. Well, I was just going to say, what a great segue. Back to motivation. I was going to ask you, what motivates you? Competition? It, well, it was when I was a rep, but more so than that, it's doing good work. I, I keep having these pinch um, moments in my business because I'll, I'll have a moment where I'm like, oh my God, I really, I'm really enjoying this. And then I realize that it's not that I love my job. It's about that somehow the intersection of what I, of my passions have actually now crossed over into what makes me money and allows me to live. And that's where I, I get sort of really caught up with this is fantastic. And, and one of the reasons that I'm really motivated is I truly don't believe that reps are equipped, uh, particularly younger reps. You know, there's a whole generation of, of salespeople that come in and churn out because they're not supported in the right way. You know, there's a demographic that didn't grow up with a telephone, you know, and we still see leaders put a phone in front of them and tell them to go. You know, it's not that's not how we learn to communicate. I'm a millennial. We didn't learn like the phone. The phone is not for calling anymore. <laughs> Certainly not for us. It's all about digital technologies and writing. And, you know, when I, I saw that experience as a leader and I started to develop my programs in business because I was hell-bent on making sure that they were equipped and giving someone, you know, a brochure and drawing a dollar sign on a wall and being like, go get it. It's not effective enough. It's a tough gig and it's a really valuable gig. And to your point about helping everyone, Rachel, give people the right tools and they'll become impassioned to do so and it'll grow your business in the meantime. And that's what I'm passionate about. I like it. Can you tell? <laughs> <laughs> I totally I totally relate, even though we have like this, um, I don't know, this kind of role reversal switch thing because I left my business to go to a company. You left a company mm-hmm. to create a business and we both share this um, I wake up every morning so pumped up to do the job yeah. that I do. I'm doing the same job that I was doing before, but in someone else's company. But it's just yeah, so great. much better because I get up excited about the work that I do. So when it comes to what motivates, yeah, I'm totally motivated by money. Totally. I got like a, I got, I got, I heard some news today that like, oh man, that was a big contract. It's okay. It's just stalled. It's just stalled. It's okay. I'm not going to get worked Not just no for now. It's just no for now. (laughs) It's a request for more information. Yes, I'm not letting it go. Uh, But I, I really am so motivated and jazzed about the work that we do to help people. Mm. And Rachel, you had mentioned earlier that the, as a buyer, they, they know we're motivated to sell and, and it's true, right? Cause we're salespeople, but I think it's important as salespeople to convey that we truly are motivated to help. Yep. I actually had a really interesting conversation just before this. I had my call block kept getting interrupted, like pushed off. So I forced myself to do my call block. And so here's a couple of things like relating to what you said, LJ, you, 
for people being afraid of the phone. I'm not afraid of the phone right now because I've got great tools and I know what I'm, I have all the things from fanatical prospecting. I've been studying up lately, like a good girl <laughs> and excited, like finally I can get on my call block. And then immediately like the brain's like, uh, I don't want to. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's so, like so crazy. And then like you just said as well, LJ, that, the way to get started is just to get started. So as soon as I get started and I'm calling, I'm jamming. And then yeah. I ran into someone that gave me a hard objection. She's like, let me stop you right there. We use so-and-so mortgage company and we're not interested. And I said, that's great. Cause I was calling to invite them to your training this Wednesday. Ah, yes. Yeah. And she's like, we only use, I only recommend this mortgage company cause it's attached to our company. And I said, that's great. And the reason that I called wasn't to sell you mortgage. It was to invite you to this sales training for your whole, all your realtors. And she was like, mm -hmm. Oh, <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't what care if guy. you don't use me as a mortgage broker. Yeah. There's just this great training. You have to come. It's the best. And they were like, and she was like, uh, she didn't even really know what to do because she shot me down so hard <laughs> that I was like, and I, it actually made me more excited. <laughs> oh, sweet. Well, you, ledge disrupt ask. Yes, you, you did like the classic. Yeah, you did the classic ledge disrupt ask, right? And then she, <laughs> you totally like messed with her brain where she's like, whoa, what? I know. And it really actually, that's what's so wonderful about doing sales training with people that know what they're do talking about is because you really, it does suck to get shot down. It just sucks. And that's what mm. where a lot of salespeople fails because they're just not equipped to handle. They're like, oh God, I failed. And then you scurry off in the corner, right? I've been there, done that too. But if you have the right tools and somebody training you mm. properly and you come in there, LJ, with your like, to teach these people that don't know what they're looking at the phone with a, like a cord on it. And like, what is this? Yeah. You know, and, and <laughs> give them something like if that you can find that motivation that makes it easier to just mm. be dealing with the grind because, you know, yeah. I got shot down on my call black. I got shot down a whole lot more times than well, sort of shot, sideways shot down, but then I would just turn it around and get their email address anyway. Perfect. Perfect. I always say that that's uh, sales training is is not just skill sets; it's a mindset. And you know, resilience is is certainly one of those right up there with motivation. And at the end of the day, you know, sales is kind of all and nothing to do with us at every time. You know, we overweight the role we play, and someone saying no, you just got to move on. All right. You know, people say no to things all the time. It's not uh, unusual. Yeah. <laughs> it's just because we feel it all the time. We just got to pick it up, move on, and find someone who's better suited. Yeah, it's a definitely a strange thing that the mind goes through that just even like I was looking at this list. I have this huge list that it'll take me forever to get through. And I'm like, better not call that one. This one looks like so like, I, like, yeah. why not? And I would just go, just shut up and just dial the number. <laughs> so the brain is so yeah. crazy. Like, oh, that one doesn't like this, this little voice. That one doesn't look like a very good one. Like, you know what? Just a list of yeah. people. Like, what in the world? Your your face is so funny. <laughs> it's like you're like this little little hand is having a conversation with you. It's the little voice. You don't want to call that one. That. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. I'm calling them now. <laughs> Watch me. Oh my gosh, this is the funniest. We we need to like paint on our hands. You know those little faces and do the Jeff, do the Jeff face over here. Just, just call. Come. Just one just more, more call. Come. I don't, you don't want to call that. 
They're, that name looks funny. <laughs> they might be old. They might be young. They might be mean. They might be nice. Like, what? Jeb, Jeb, that's delusion. 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 <laughs> so the companies that you're working with right now, I'm going to pull it back, pull it back, pull it back. The companies yeah, yeah. that you're working with right now, Jeb, <laughs> um, that's how all Americans speak, isn't it? Like that? That's what I've seen. I learned from Sesame Street. <laughs> LJ, what do you find is the greatest challenge right now with all the changes that have happened with COVID? Do you think see yeah. that there's new problems that you didn't anticipate or just the same old problems? To me, what, what was mind-breaking for me actually had nothing to do with the change. Keep in mind that I'm actually in Queensland and Brisbane and, and we never went into lockdown. So it's kind of in business as usual. What my to me, what was the most surprising is the lack of basics in every single organization. And I'm talking public companies and well-established companies that really don't have any foundations. So what's happening is they're bringing us on to train the talent and there's no sturdy foundation. And I'm talking about, you know, a, a well-articulated pipeline that's consecutive. I'm talking about pre-thought strategic questions and memory tools to enable people to use them and pull them up in meetings. You know, the ability to understand social selling. Um, you know, they, they're still stuck on scripts and, you know, things like covering. I just, I, you know, I can't. I'll get stuck in a wormhole. I get too passionate about it, but the basics aren't there. Um, and I think that's just a testament to over time, you know, sales leaders, they're managing people. They're not skills coaching and they've lost touch of those skills along the way. And that's why it's really so important to bring on external experts because you can't focus your attention everywhere equally. And if you want to focus on managing the people and, and sharing the vision and, and uh, making sure tasks are done well, get someone to come in and inspire and give new thought tools and then you just have to implement. So to answer your question, you know, I, I don't think I've been around enough to see it, but I know from my career in sales, um, I never really had sales training. I think I must have had two or three. And, it, you know, if I, I was just like, if I have to see another man over 45 show me a picture of a sales funnel, I think I'm going <laughs> to put my head through a wall. I just never, I couldn't tell you how um, dry it was. Um, and that's why I have fun with my content because it has to resonate. If something doesn't resonate, a learning doesn't stick. And we seem to forget that leading people is exactly the same way as you would lead a buyer conversation. You have to inspire and motivate them. Yeah, I think I think you're you're really bang on. Everyone I've talked to, so many salespeople did not receive sales training. And I think this is something mm -hmm. that we kind of take for granted, especially as sales trainers. And even with the clients I work with that I coach that are large organizations or medium organizations that you would think they had those all those things in place that you're talking about, but they don't, and they're successful despite themselves. Yeah. And if you just think, how does this happen? Yeah. But um, I have no idea. I can't tell you. I thought that might be a couple of examples, but it's every single yeah. organization. Every single one that I've worked with in, in some way, shape, or form is missing some basics that just were not mm -hmm. put in place. And so I'm, I'm really starting to wonder, just from this conversation today, those of us who do well in sales, is there a correlation between you do really well and you have taken it on yourself to get educated? Yeah. I was, you guys were making me think, I was thinking back to my very first, 
I came from a showbiz career to a real estate career. I had zero training in sales. And even when I got my real estate, they'll give, you know, if you got like 1200 bucks and enough time, they'll give anybody with Pulse a real estate license if you can pass. And then boom, here I am. I'm like, I'm a realtor. What the fuck mm. do I do now? Like I had no mm. clue. And the the company that that brought me on because they were like, oh, she's brilliant. Let's bring her on. They didn't give me any training. So the first sales training I really had, I did go out and hire a coach, Gina. <laughs> I was like, you did? Oh, that was me. Oh, yeah. That was you. Because I had no, I mean, I'm like passionate and energetic and excited and I'm ready to learn. And I'm like, I've got no idea what to do. I'm not afraid to take somebody out and show them a house. But I was out there floundering around like no clue, no follow up. I didn't even know what a CRM was. I was like, CRM, CRM. Like no clue. And that's exactly how a lot of people are in any type of sales scenario. Yeah. Actually, I had one sales job before real estate. It was um, it was like marketing materials, kind of a, akin to what you're looking at, Gina, that box thing that you have. And they had me go out and like do sales calls in person. Man, I had no, I would just walk in, says no soliciting, like, okay, walk in anyway, <laughs> like, don't care. D did not yeah. have a clue. And I think a lot of leaders find talent, like you were saying, LJ, and they bring them on, but then they're like, okay, go to it. And then. Yeah, absolutely. And it's such a self-starting occupation. You really are. It's kind of one of two sides of the scale, right? You're either completely left alone to your own devices or you're micromanaged in a way oh, that doesn't yeah. actually support yeah. your growth. So, uh, you know, and there's so much focus on minutia. And again, I think that comes to not really understanding coaching. And, you know, I, I work with my companies as well to help equip first-time managers because there's a huge shift that happens when you're a rep and you're a high performer and then you move into a management role. And if you don't get that transition right, a lot of that opportunity to really coach falls through the cracks because you become really hands-on and you can't let go of things because you're so used to being in control and really productive by doing so. I, I've seen a lot of that. They, they're, they're very high performers and very good at what they do and then they're in a leadership role and they don't know how... And they get frustrated because their attitude is, well, why don't they know how to do that? I, I know I know how to yeah. do that. Why don't they know how to do that? And again, I go back to, I think a yeah. lot of high performers spend time in, in professional development, taking classes, reading books, getting coaches. I mean, everyone that I coach, all of my coaching clients, they are all high performers who wanted to take their game yeah. to the next level. And so they invested in themselves yeah. because they weren't getting the support in their organization. They're paying out of their pocket to get help so mm -hmm. that they can produce more. Mm -hmm. And it's an interesting conversation. I mean, I think there's a level that, you know, organizations absolutely need to. But, you know, if you want to be good at your craft and your art, if you want to treat it as such, then you have to invest yourself as well. You know, just like anything, you know, you get out what you put in. And sometimes there's that attitude of, well, they don't provide training. Well, get it yourself. Yes. There is so many resources. Yes. And, you know, I think that that's a really good indicator of attitude yeah. more so than aptitude as yeah. well. Good point. And a great way to do that is to go to Outbound. Oh, that was like just a perfect, it, is. it was a perfect moment to say that. It's a perfect moment to say that. And perfect. You, it's you don't even fun. have to go in person. You can buy a virtual ticket. So you should check that out at outboundconference.com. What will you be? I know you're going to do a little bit on EQ, but what else? I know you're doing something else. What yeah. else are you doing? 
I am. I'm going to talk a lot about marketing and how to think like a marketer in order to really sharpen your sales aptitude and skills. And it's because I was a marketer for 10 years before I moved into sales. I kind of fell into sales like a lot of people did. What marketing taught me was the behavioral science behind advertising and how to use messaging well and how to engage and educate. And the thing is, marketing and sales are often seen sort of as these polar opposites, but they're intrinsically linked. And once I moved into a sales role and I understood framing pricing and I understood how to, um, you know, bundle things and, and understood the way to communicate in a way that tells stories, that's the kind of stuff that you don't get taught in, in organisations. You don't really understand framing. You don't understand how to anchor pricing. All of that stuff you learned on, on shelf um, was really interesting for me to be able to apply in a one-to-one role. And you've got to think marketing is really just sales with better branding, but marketing does what sales does on mass. So if you apply that to one, one-to-one sales strategy, it works in the same way. So I'll be breaking down some basic marketing principles and showing how you can actually incorporate them into a sales strategy. Exciting. I, I hope we can come, come see that. Uh, virtually you can virtual. Oh, that's the middle of the night I'm, i was thinking we're probably just not even gonna no, sleep she's, at all she's on, it's actually morning it's her session um on the east coast is morning okay. oh cool either way it's gonna be late but you know we're up dancing <laughs> you know some exactly. baileys and exactly. coffee <laughs> <laughs> well by, by late night you guys can move to wine Oh, absolutely. It's just a rotating cycle for me as soon as the coffee pot's dry. It straight comes out the bottle. (laughs) Talk about motivation. Coffee, wine. Coffee, wine. Awesome. Um, Rachel's got some signature questions for you that we ask everybody at the end. Uh, Rachel, you want to you wanna give LJ those questions? Well, before we do the questions, first tell us where people can find you and how they can reach out to you. Absolutely. So you can look me up on my website, www.eqsales.com.au or come and follow me at LinkedIn. It's at LJ, letter L, letter J, EQ Sales. Um, and come and follow me. I post a lot of content. I'm big about conversations, particularly in the digital realm. I truly believe that um, just because a relationship is digital doesn't mean it's less valuable than in person. It's actually a perfect segue to an in-person relationship. So come by, say hi, and check me out. Sweet. All right. So now we dig into the real deal. So LJ, how would you define the word sexy? How would I confident, cool? That's how I would define sexy. Easy. Gotta be cool. (laughs) I like it. Nice and relaxed. (laughs) What is the best advice you've ever been given? Better an oh well than a what if. (laughs) I live by that motto. It's, you know, I'd, you'd, you're better off having a shot than than thinking about what could have been because you you never know you can't you can't predict the future so better in no well than a what I like that it's got me into a uh, great situations and uh, some not so but it's very valuable. <laughs> I I'm all about that. I will try crazy stuff and go okay. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, awful. Oh well. At least I gave it a shot. Yeah. Oh, well. oh, man. I tried it. We tried. Remember yeah. the closing curve, Gina, when I was like all about, I spent like two solid years yeah. working on this one company and then, oh, well. <laughs> oh, well. We've had many. Oh, you grow. It is um, how you grow. Last question for now. Yeah. 
any advice you wish you had been given? Don't take it all too seriously um, is probably that advice. I've really learned that no one really has it sorted out. It took me a long time to realize that I, 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 had, I became uh, really comfortable with being okay at 70%. So for me now, near enough is good enough. And it's allowed me to be so much more productive because I've lo- let go of this sort of need to fin- finesse everything. And that to me is just enable my productivity in so many more ways. Because to our point before, you know, it's it's not really all about me. People aren't thinking about my stuff as much as I am. So I'm now okay with near enough is good enough. Near enough is good enough. I like that. Ooh, she's got so many good ones. No, it's kind good. Like an Aussie thing. <laughs> near enough is good enough. I love it. Awesome. Well, it has been so awesome having you here on The Women Your Mother Warned You About. We really appreciate it. We know it is super early over on the other side or down under where, you know, wherever Australia is. We're in the future. In the future. Yes, you are in the future. So thank you so much. We really appreciate you being here. You're very welcome. Thank you so much for your time. Sure. All right, Warners, we have to wrap up this episode of The Women Your Mother Warns You About. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Gina Tremarco with Sales Gravy. For more information about Sales Gravy, you can check that out at salesgravy.com. And Rachel can fill us in on everything about Rachel and the show. I'm Rachel, the singing lender, and you can find me pretty much anywhere under that name. And also wanted to drop salesgravy.university for if you would like to learn more about improv and how to use it in sales. Gina has a really great course called What to Say When You Don't Know What to Say upcoming. So check that out and also all the great offerings there for everything else you need to know about the women your mother warned you about. Visit WomenYourMotherWarnedYouAbout.com. And hey, we can always use another review, but more importantly, somebody else might need to hear this episode. So give the gift of the women by sharing this podcast with someone you know. We're out of here, Warners. See you next time. This really will get serious soon. Yeah, don't. It doesn't have to. I don't think anybody wants it to be serious.